0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the Halftime Orange Podcast with me, Brenton Weber. Today I'm speaking with Mo Hossain, from all the way from Austin, Texas. Mo's company DataUp um, act as a fractional CTO for companies who are looking to grow their business in retail and e-commerce with digital. And we're gonna have a really interesting conversation around this very transformative year and how technology can be used to increase the connection we have with our customers. We're gonna be debating on whether or not Amazon is within reach. I personally think there's lots of lessons to be learned from them and so does Mo, just whether or not you can achieve them. Let's explore further, and let me introduce you to Mo. Hello, and welcome to the Halftime Orange podcast. Um, today, I'm speaking with Mo Hussain. Mo, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, how are you Ben?
0: Yep. Really, really good. Um, I've, I'm actually in day one of a new regime where I'm doing 5am starts. So I'm. <laughs> it's like quite early in the morning now, but it feels like it's much uh, later in the day. But it's been a really productive day. It's been quite revolutionary, actually. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's good. Is, is that because of your baby, or is it just work? What's that deal well, with?
0: Well, bit of both. Uh, well, the what I was finding is because yeah, we we had a baby over lockdown. Um, thanks mm-hmm. for remembering. And um, <laughs> we, um and um day starts at six thirty. And I started to realise that I am I I'm getting into my day far too late considering I'm starting my day so early. So mm-hmm, I've got mm-hmm. school drop offs to do and then driving through traffic and it could be kind of 9am before I get the chance to do deep work and if we're having a rich conversation which I know we're going to I'm not necessarily going to want to dive straight into deep work after this and the next podcast so I thought well I better start claiming some time real estate in another part (laughs) of the day that's not gonna take everything so we'll see how it goes. Have 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 you started any new regimes this in this interesting you know, interview.
1: I. Oh my God, I feel like I'm trying so many new things just to kind <laughs> of feel normal. <laughs> but there's no normal about all of this. No. I, the biggest thing, you know, is I love to travel. You know, we, we were talking before that I've been to Australia a couple of times and I've been around the world, and uh, I would love to visit uh, New Zealand at some point. But uh, I, I love to travel, and that- we would love to have you. <laughs>
0: yeah. We want to come, everyone. We want you back. Um, There you go, there
1: you go. Yeah, but, you know, that's the thing, that's my way of just kind of de-stressing and being out, meeting people, you know, socializing. And I can't do that, it's so frustrating because I'm just stuck at home, you know, in this apartment all day, and I'm not doing anything. I'm not really meeting many people just to kind of keep that physical distancing and all that kind of uh, things in mind. Uh, You know, and it's really tiring. I, I feel that sometimes I'm just so... You know, inundated with stuff like why am I working so much or why is work in my mind so much because I'm not doing anything yeah. else so that's yeah. been the tough thing for me this year but I've been just trying different things to see if I can get out of that mode here and there I've started taking morning walks so when I wake up uh, not like you I usually wake up around seven or eight o'clock <laughs> um, oh, okay. and I'll, I'll try to take cool. a <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to take a short walk in the morning. That helps, but you know sometimes like I'll, I'll be staying up late and then like oh man I have so much things to do and I don't do that. So it's it's challenging. So I think I'm just trying random different things just to kind of feel normal. Oh, I did buy a a bike recently, an electric bike. Trying to bike more. That's my new thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Away How's from the yeah. travel,
1: it's good. You know, I I enjoyed biking when I was living in New York and London. But when I moved to Austin, we don't really have a good. I mean, it's okay. the The whole bike path system in in the city here in Austin is okay. It's not great. Uh, not not that it was great in New York or anything. But London I was, was pretty say, good. I had, so.
0: Yeah, you thought London was pretty good. I'm not sure whether well, every Londoner would agree uh, with you. Well, it's it's improved
1: quite a bit. And I was living in the center, you know, when I was in London. So it was it was not bad. I I went travel to. From my apartment, which was, if you're familiar with Shoreditch, I was living in Shoreditch and my office was downtown or in the center, really. So it took me about 20 minutes and it was awesome because I didn't have to, you know, like just start, uh, wake up and start working because I had to be somewhere. So I'd be doing something physical and it's also not really mindless where you're just like standing on a bus or in a tube. Uh, I was actually biking there physically, you know, so kind of like getting that stuff uh, in the mind working Mm. and getting, you know, nice. I really like the other aspect. And also the end of the day was also awesome because I could just kind of de-stress in my mind a little bit as I was working and uh, biking home. And it kind of felt nice, but now I'm not doing that. So I figured I'll I'll try this e-bike thing.
0: I um, I I used to walk from Canada Water to Southwark Bridge. Um, oh! Every morning and every evening, when the weather okay. was nice, um, when I okay. when I lived there, it's, and it does. It's uh, and you've got it's such a beautiful city to slowly travel through. There's so mm-hmm. much um, mm-hmm. history and architecture. Oh and, my goodness! Yes, yeah, I really enjoyed there. What we and and for. We've spoken a little bit. Of, we've spoken a couple of times now, but um, for the for our listeners who don't know you, why don't you introduce yourself about who you are and how you got to where you are at the moment? You know, it's such an interesting journey.
1: <laughs> well, I'll maybe not go back a whole lot in time. So I, I'm sure. Mahoosin. <laughs> I'm Mahoosin. I, I my parents uh, moved. Uh, well, I was born in Bangladesh, and my parents moved to. Uh, the US when I was 13. So I've spent a lot of time in the US since then. And I went to university at NJIT, go Highlanders. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so that was in New Jersey. I I worked uh, very close to New York for a bit uh, with a company called Wall Street Journals. For the folks in the US, they'll, they'll probably know that. Uh, and uh, And then I started to work for another company called New Relic. And New Relic focuses on uh, application performance and customer experience as well as analytics and all that kind of stuff that kind of goes in an enterprise business. So I was working as a sales engineer at New Relic for several years, focusing on a lot of major enterprise companies in the U.S., in the media, technology, and some finance sector. And so I was doing that in New York for a while. I ended up getting an opportunity to go to London So we went over to London with New Relic, and that was awesome for a couple of years. And very recently, I actually started my company called Data Up, uh, which is this year. So that was February of this year. Started Data Up, and uh, it's been an interesting journey this year, just to uh, to start a new company.
0: uh, A a cracking (laughs) Uh, year to go out. (laughs) How has this year treated you? Ah,
1: it's. It's been an interesting journey for sure. I, I feel like I'm gonna keep saying that over and over, but it's overall great because it is. It you know in a in a way I'm starting a whole new journey for myself. I, this is my first entrepreneurial experience, and I'm meeting with so many amazing people like you, obviously, and uh, you know many other people around the states and even internationally. So it's really interesting. To get that exposure on a different level where I am the face of the company now versus when I was working for New Relic, I was just one of the people that was working at New Relic. So it's been kind of a really interesting experience from that perspective that now it is my company and I can kind of say and do as, as I please with it. Um, but in terms of sort of getting in front of the clients and uh, and meeting them and all that kind of stuff, uh, it's not happening so much. So I think out of all my clients, I've probably met only two, uh, three. Well, I met another person one more time, but I, everyone, everyone else I've been working with all have been remote. And it's been really strange mm. because yeah. before, uh, before this, when I was working for New Relic, I would meet, clients all the time you know i would go to all over different cities in europe when i was living in london same thing in the us so now it's just like hey you know i know you i haven't really met you but we're working together
0: Mm, yeah Yeah, the the barriers of geography have just Mm -hmm. disappeared overnight overnight. yeah
1: yeah it's it's good and bad honestly but i think Mm, i think overall that i i really like that human aspect of uh you know of Life and business, and I like to be in front of people. But at the same time, you know, like technology is makes us closer. I mean, you're on the other side of the world from me, so well, we, <laughs> it's we were pretty, talking about that cool. right
0: at the beginning, weren't we? Because we'd spoken before on the fu- or, or just with audio, and this was the first time that we'd seen each other, and already there was a there was a better connection, and it was yeah. it, it, it mm-hmm. dawn on me really that's what technology is. I think the good guys in technology are coming to the fore this year because the good guys in technology are all about using technology to release us and to give us freedom and to increase human connection. Whereas the bad guys in technology are all about just stealing our dopamine for, you know, for their own nefarious advertising ways. Let's put it that way. Let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, well, um, just to go back for a moment, by the way, to your. This year, interesting year to become an entrepreneur. Um, Halftime Orange is my first entrepreneurial brand. And I, I met somebody who gave me a really cool insight this year about why we get into entrepreneurship, especially those that have been through the corporate. say to that, and I'm wondering where you fall on this. I how much of what you're planning on doing with Beta Up is to mimic what you've seen in the corporate world? You know, how do you wanna do you wanna run the company like that or is part of the reason you've done this is because you know that there are, there are better ways of doing things.
1: Well, I think my motivation is different than maybe other people. So I started to think about entrepreneurship, I would say, maybe five, eight years ago, probably, at least, because it was one of those things that I see as a way for me to reach other potentials. So not only can I run a company for example you know if I can do it <laughs> that'll <Yeah>. be proving <laughs> something to myself yes. but also that will give me an opportunity to kind of reach other other areas that I'm potentially not able to right now. So one of my sort of thinking is hopefully I can do things really well with data up for the next you know 5 10 years and it gets to a point where I have people that can work for me to do everything that needs to be done for data up right <clears throat> so when that happens i'm kind of you know outside of the picture of data up you know i'm still the face of it that's fine but i'm not doing so much work so then i can focus on other other ideas that i have and one of the things that i would really like to do you know in the 10 15 year um Range would be to do, work on a nonprofit for third world countries. So, I obviously, as I mentioned, I come from Bangladesh and I've just seen so much happening in Bangladesh and many, many other third world countries that I've visited. And there are so many smart people, you know, that are in those countries that just never get opportunities to do whatever that they want to do, right? They may have ideas, but maybe they don't have the, the money or uh, the, um, you know, the opportunity, the, you know, the resources, whatever it might be. So and ultimately... And until now, just
0: even not having the geographic... I mean that yeah. is one real positive about this mm-hmm. year's geographic mm-hmm. borders. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So i I would like to focus on a nonprofit in the in the long term future for for myself to work in either Bangladesh or as a as a whole globally uh, to to help the, the, the I, I keep saying kids, but <laughs> the the people that come out of um, of a college, you know, their their college or whatever other. Institution, you know, so, so I think there are so many really smart people that just don't really get the opportunity where they can really create something awesome, you know, and it, it would be amazing for people with the world to be able to experience that.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. We were, um, a, shout, a bit of a shout out to a company I came, I stumbled across earlier in the year, a company called iWorker, um, and Based by uh, started by two backpackers, I believe, um, mm-hmm. who now reside in Vancouver. And on their travels, they were finding such talent, such underused, unutilised, um, experience, um, enthusiasm, as well as talent. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they thought, how can we connect um, those companies that maybe are struggling to afford to grow with local teams building, um, but give those companies a chance to pay above the local rate but be uh-huh. able to access um, virtual team members um, much much like um, virtual PAs have been doing for a, for a longer time but this company is linking up developers and accountants and it's it's a really it's a really great model um, it really is so well, yeah the company I, work, again? I worker
1: iWork. Uh, yeah, uh, that's interesting. I haven't heard of them. I'll check into them. There are various other companies that I've been exploring lately. Uh, there's Upwork. I'm sure you've, you've experienced before, Upwork.com. There's also uh, the new one that I've I've run into in the last month or two would be FreeUp.net, I think it is. And then, of course, Fiverr. But um, Fiverr is kind of an interesting, uh, interesting one. Upwork seems to be pretty, pretty good in in my experience, and FreeUp's pretty good as well. So there, there are a lot of these kinds of platforms. That there are, and, up, and, which and which I would imagine awesome. this.
0: Yeah, and this year, I would imagine there's more that we are yet to even hear of. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this must be a, a, a massive growth uh, um, mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so what with with um, data up, and this year, what everybody's business models have had to change um, regardless of how old you are and you starting in february i mean you would have you would have felt pretty sure of yourself thinking what the next <laughs> 12 months strategy might be how 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 quickly and 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 how you know and how did you approach the the, the having to change with everybody's changing needs and working um, situations
1: well i think i Wasn't fully sure how the strategy was going to be for me to begin with, uh, if I'm being honest. So I had an idea of, like, this is what the business will be. But obviously that's changed over time as I'm trying to figure out how I fit into the market. So my main experience comes from the enterprise world. And we're talking, like, million-dollar, billion-dollar companies that I've worked with before that they do things in a very weird and, you know, Giant scale way, so I've always worked with you know many people around me. Where now, I my idea for Dataup was to help the small guys, you know, the small businesses that are out in the world. But I realized that a lot of small businesses don't you know care or aren't there to care about analytics yet, right? So if we're talking about a business that is uh, pulling in, let's say, 100, 200k a year, they're probably pretty busy just to kind of move their Uh, needle and kind of get the the revenue that they're already getting or trying to keep up with it whereas as you have businesses growing into that one five ten million uh, space then they're starting to care a little more about analytics and the customer experience and all these kinds of stuff that isn't really all that important to not not important but isn't something that's top of mind for small business owners. So that's kind of what I realized because my intention was to help the small business owners when I started the, it started data up, but it turned into, okay, these people aren't really interested in my services. So kind of like, okay, so then maybe I just go up further uh, into the, um, into the space and go talk to a little bit more of a bigger size, small business kind of thing. So right now I'm focusing a lot on the, the million to 5 million, 10 million kind of, uh, revenue companies at the moment, and helping them understand their analytics and customer
0: experience as a whole. So, are you um, are you getting involved? Are you seeing very much uh, many companies who are realizing that they have to play some serious catch up? Like I'm thinking, you know, from from some conversations I've had in the retail space, there were retailers without even a, a digital strategy or a website um, mm-hmm. that have lost. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh yeah! Over this last year, like, are you seeing a big drive for these companies that maybe we're thinking, yeah, we'll be, we'll need a technology strategy in the next year or two. But <laughs> you know, we right now we're going to be fine. We're just going to make sure that our quarters are strong, and you know, and then boom, there you go, change of change of environment immediately. So yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you must be helping those companies immensely find yes. their way.
1: Yes, in fact, I, I, I mean, that's a very simple yes to me. <laughs> There's uh, no really any, any other wasn't way. A very, about it. it
0: wasn't a very open question, was it? It was a, <laughs> probably, I probably need but, to hone my um, podcast but, interview skills.
1: <laughs> but I do have an interesting thing that happened. I, I work with, or not, I volunteer my, my time at a company called uh, score.org, which is an organization that helps. Companies in the U.S. Uh, actually might be international now, but uh, they help in the U.S. in different local localities with small businesses. So they provide uh, education for really anything that their inter- uh, that customers are interested in, as well as free mentorship. So as SCORE, they basically say, okay, if, if you have a small business, so for example, me, um, uh, data up. so they'll say, okay, do you need a mentor? And I'll, I'll put my hand up, say, yes, I need a mentor. They'll provide you a free mentor. That are basically other people that are volunteering in the space, uh, in the local area. So for example, I have, a free, I have a mentor from SCORE. Now, the other interesting thing is the education aspect. So at SCORE, you can volunteer your expertise in whatever you know um, and let other business owners kind of uh, get uh, information from there. So, for example, I, I do a lot of um, education in the technology uh, space for small businesses. So, uh, analytics is one of the main things that I do. Google Analytics workshops I do about you know once a month or so for new businesses that are interested in it. Uh, a lot of these businesses don't really have the resources to hire me, but at the same time, I can teach them certain things that can at least move the the their business somewhat in in a good, a good direction, right? So I do a lot of that. There's a lot of other education aspect of that. So there, there's accountants, for example. There are other marketing people. There, there are so many different things. But the point is, I actually this ended so up
0: interesting. What was the website again that you're talking
1: score, about? Score. S C O R E dot O R G.
0: Okay, I think everybody who's listening will be hunting for Google at the moment to, to learn more about <laughs> yeah. this. Kind of yeah, really I love Score,
1: so it's great. It's I would definitely recommend it for everyone. So Score.org. So so the most interesting thing that happened recently was I have been working on, uh, w- working with, uh, yes, that's Score.org. I have been working with um, these local SCORE organizations, which have been just within, let's say, Austin and uh, the Texas area. Now, last month, I had an opportunity to do a national workshop for SCORE, and I did an intro to Google Analytics workshop, and that just blew up. It it was huge. It was uh, uh, 4,000 people, over 4,000 people signed up. Uh, for the session and 16 over 1,600 people joined the live session and then obviously the, the other people were uh, reviewing it later. But that just kind of goes to show how important the, the space of analytics and kind of the whole online world is becoming because now businesses are scrambling to say okay well I don't really have my online things figured out you know what is happening on with my customer experience and all this kinds of stuff and obviously Google Analytics is a is a way a tool for people to understand that so people are really trying to understand what is happening with my customer experience uh, you know can, can, uh, how can I improve my my ROI uh, you know can I do more of the advertising that I've been doing or other types of marketing that I've been doing, what's working better, that kind of thing with Google Analytics. So that just, that just kind of shows that, yes, the, the answer is very simply yes, that everyone's trying to figure out the online world. And even in the small business world space, it's, it's just a massive thing.
0: Mm. So for those companies that are now kind of, well, most companies will now be embracing this in some way, and it's certainly getting to know it tuning in for webinars with wonderful people like yourself, trying to learn more. Let's say they're on that, um, they've started that journey now, they're starting to collect the analytics. I'm somebody that um, believes that analytics without the qualitative side of things can so often be misleading um, and, and, and or, or even um, insight-free in many ways. Like um, I have my own personal views about the NPS score think it's got some value. I actually think it should be more inferred as opposed to asked. But it's the context of that question where the the real value comes from. So so what's your advice to these companies that are starting down this journey? How they can enrich this new world of quantitative analytics with qualitative richness?
1: That's a really good question. And I think it it is a tough thing to do. Spell uh, do for a lot of businesses because there are a lot of moving pieces to that. I think you'll be the first one to attest that if you want to do all of it, you have to make sure there are so many different tools in the in the uh, website or in the business in general, uh, just to kind of track where where people are, what they're experiencing, and how things are going. So I think it it's almost. Comes from a perspective of okay, what are the things that you can do in stages? So the first thing in my mind, uh, that, and you can you can let me know what you think. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm. I, the first thing that I would do for a company is to use a tool like Google Analytics to just understand the basics. Even though that is quantitative, that is a lot of times assumptions based on what is happening. I mean, numbers don't necessarily tell the truth. You know, it's a very, uh, very sort of. Um, one-sided in a lot of cases but at the end of the day numbers do tell you something so if a Certainly company identify a pain mm-hmm. point it can really yes. be helpful yes. in
0: helping to, to to narrow down where a pain mm-hmm. point might be lurking exactly
1: so that's sort of my starting point for when i'm working with companies is just go start somewhere which a lot of times tends to be google analytics because even though you're not qualitatively understanding what the customer is experiencing you're having a Decent sense of what's happening, right? So, if you're seeing that you're not getting any sales on your website and people are leaving your website right away as as they're coming in, well, maybe the there are problems with the website, right? So, it could be so many different things that are that are uh, that need to be improved. So that that's one aspect. So, what are the things that uh, customers are are experiencing that could be problematic, right? So, from a numbers perspective, you can understand that if you don't have many sales, well, that's pretty obvious. If you don't have, uh, if you have people bouncing, which is the the bounce rate as the term is called in Google Analytics, if they're bouncing a lot, then that could potentially mean that, yes, that is also a problem because people aren't uh, able to either access your data or access your uh, be slow. content, download or it could be or, slow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it could be slow. Uh, it could be like, for example, your cart function or your checkout function isn't working, so they're frustrated. They're yeah, breaking, uh, broken link. A broken yep. link. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There could be yeah. a lot of problems. So if you're seeing that from a numbers perspective, you can take more or less assume. I'm going to say the word assume, that there are problems and you can find that out through Google Analytics. Obviously, if you have the resources to do qualitative analysis and you can call people or uh, or do forms that people can submit data to and they'll tell you what they're experiencing, that's great. But not everyone will have that flexibility and resources to do that right away. So I think that's one way. Another tool that I really like is um, called Hotjar. It's um, Mm -hmm. H-O-T-J-A-R. That's a pretty good tool. for Yeah,
0: I've heard some very good things about Hotjar. Mm
1: -hmm. So there it's a little more qualitative, if I can say that right, but um, it's not as quantitative. So with Hotjar, it's basically what's called a heat map technology. And there what we're doing is we're, looking at, well, not we, but Hotjar is doing, is looking at the experience and essentially reverse engineering it to show you a video of what someone experienced. So as an example, as a customer is on a website, let's say it's an e-commerce website and they're trying to purchase something, right? So with Hotjar, you can see they went from homepage to a product page to the cart and checkout page, whatever, whatever. At the end of the cart page, you saw that they didn't check out because they couldn't put their credit card information there, as an example. This
0: actually happened to me. <laughs> it, gives you, it gives you a really good subjective view of their yeah. experience, doesn't it? Almost through their eyes.
1: Yeah, this actually happened to me. So I'm a partner in another company, another company called BackboneCushion.com, or Backbone Cushion, rather, and uh, we have Hotjar installed. And I noticed that a customer of ours, or a prospect rather, couldn't check out because of this issue, that exact same thing that I walked you through. So they couldn't put in their credit card on our website. So the problem was there; they were using a Internet Explorer browser from like eight years ago, and it doesn't support um, certain things on our website. So it's kind of like a, a bit ridiculous in the way that you know that browser is so old. But ultimately, that is a bad experience for our customer, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's part not, of the
0: ecosystem, it's part right? Of the it's ecosystem not something they're that enjoying a, your, they're enjoying. Right. they're trying to reach an outcome with with your product.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily our fault because they're using an older browser, but at the same time, is we're losing a customer because of that situation. So um, I don't really know the uh, right answer there. It would potentially be it's asking them to you know, get a newer browser. Well,
0: uh, I, that, I don't think that's a silly idea, to be <laughs> honest. I think uh, it's you know, if, not. If, if, if you've got somebody who is um, consuming your product or service, um, and, and pay money, and they're they're clearly not going to get a, or, or they want to, and they're not going to get the, to the outcome that they want. Then it's your duty to reach out to them and explain to them. It, but although it is a little bit dodgy when you say, "I was watching you fail to put your credit card details in." That's that's the bit where it feels like you you were watching me put my credit card details in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so and I'm sure you weren't. I'm just saying from the I'm thinking yes. from, the, from that. Customer. So that,
1: that's actually a good point that you make. I'm sure uh, other people, some people listening, will have that sort of problem in their mind as well. So what Hotjar does is they will uh, take out a lot of those things. So it's called obfuscation. So basically, removing it from the the, the video, so to say. That you can't actually see what that what that customer was typing in, so it kind of makes you feel a little That's bit good. better. Than yeah, yeah, we don't we don't
0: need to fuel the fear of technology um, <laughs> during our conversation. Yeah. No, yeah, I'd heard that I'd heard that as well, but uh, most people don't know that, and most right, people right. won't be listening to this show for the explanation either. So it is a it's a it's a it's a it's a dangerous ground to to walk oh, on. Oh my goodness!
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
0: And we don't tr- we. Do you think that this year this transformative year has given technology a bit of trust back? Uh, I think
1: yes but it's almost forced. If I, <laughs> if I uh, if that's an accurate forced, way to put it,
0: so like we are in this together <laughs> the technology's there we may as well get on with it. Is that what Right. You
1: mean? It's yeah, it's almost like hey uh, you didn't like technology maybe before but now you have no choice. <laughs> Um, but I think in it's kind of become a year where a lot of companies, kind of the point we were making before, are realizing that technology is important because, well, hey, we can't be in front of people as much anymore and and you know do whatever we used to do in this the way we used to before, so because technology is now important, what can we do to improve that whole ecosystem right? So there have been so many companies <clears throat> that have been doing. Uh, things online for really well like so for one of the things for example the that they did really well was um, uh, the service industry if I can say that right so the um, sort of comedy comedian the um, chef and all that kind of stuff uh, that was different in that experience before is now all online so for example Airbnb came up with their new product if I could say that Airbnb experiences where you can go on Airbnb and sign up for some cooking class, as an example. I, I, uh, my girlfriend and I did that, and it was really interesting. Is basically uh, us talking to someone who's cooking something. We basically got the same ingredients that they asked us to get, and we're cooking together, we're asking questions, and it's kind of an interactive experience. And that's been sort of the new new norm for a lot of companies and businesses. Obviously, it's not possible for a lot of companies, but but it's been an interesting thing where uh, companies are are using that as a way to help sort of that online experience be much better and become more customer-centric, I think.
0: Well, we've, we've been trying to, you know, scream from the rooftops. We know we were, we were probably the CX's biggest kept secret for a long time because we weren't screaming from the rooftops. But we were trying to convince those that we were engaging with that the experience economy wasn't in the future, it was here. It was time to embrace it. And technology was really that way to do that because Uh it means that you can automate things that, you can identify things that go wrong and automate those so that they never go wrong. You can do what we call proactive experience management where you know where uh, you, you start identifying the pain points, getting rid of them and slowly improving the experience overall. So this year, with so many people who were was, was still holding back, they realised that the experience was important, but they hadn't realised, they hadn't been forced into that transformation. They are now. Well, the reality is now that those same companies are, I think we were talking about it in the green room, that we're now... What they, we're five years ahead of where we should be, with the amount of transformation that's been taking place, and we are now very much in the transformation economy. So, how can technology help companies transform their customers? Not just transform their businesses and transform the experience, but how can technology? How do you see technology in the future? And there must so many ways. It's such a massive. Mm. (laughs) Explosion in exciting technology at the moment, but I'm I'm interested to see what what you see on the horizon in uh, you know that should have been five years away, but it's right here, right now, or coming up next year. Mm.
1: That's that's a really interesting question. I think the from a from a customer perspective, when I shop in a lot of places, it's that disconnect that I have a lot of times that makes me feel not as valued as a customer, right? So let's say that I'll, I will buy a product and I, you know, I don't get an email from them for two days or, you know, I don't hear about when it's going to be, when my product is going to be shipped and this and that kind of thing. So that drew, that's driven me to oftentimes buy my products and whatever I'm interested in on Amazon because, as we all know, they're... Their sort of automation and everything that they do is so well, right? So, as soon as I buy something, I'll get multiple emails saying, Okay, this is this, this is what's happening with it, whatever. So trackable, and, um, right?
0: You know exactly yeah. where you are at every stage of the process.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then when it's shipped, I know it. When it's uh, in front of my door or close to my door, I know it. When it's in front of me, I know it. It's, it's kind of almost too much, but it's kind of one of those things that a lot of people, need that you know and is is helpful to have information when you need it because if i know that i'm going to be going on vacation next week then i want to have my product uh you know potentially this week or the week after so it's not sitting outside my door when uh, when i'm away on vacation so those are kinds of things that are important i think a lot of times that we're we're talking to these customers or uh, these um companies that are potentially not so customer-centric where things are happening in the background. It's almost like magic. And then, okay, you ordered something, like it shows up two weeks later or do they, a week do you later. Think,
0: <laughs> what percentage of companies do you realize, uh, let me phrase this properly, how many companies do you think um, realize that their digital experience is really in competition with Amazon? the expectations that Amazon creates? Oh, I think everyone... Do <laughs> you think, you think, I think the so. leaders of I, companies realize? I think there's... Oh. Then why, I aren't, they, then why so. aren't they trying well, to match it? More? Because
1: I, I think it's, what Amazon's done is super impressive. It's In order to do that, you just need so much money and so much so many developers or people to do it for you, right? So all those things are not something that's going to happen overnight. In the U.S., we have... <clears throat> We have a lot of these companies that are so sort of notoriously bad at customer service. Like, I'll, I I don't um, I actually got rid of at and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with AT&T in the U.S. We have a company that uh, has a bunch of different things, including mobile service and cable and all like whatever uh, different services. And when you call them, and it's it's kind of like grinding teeth to get some information or fix the thing that you're having a problem with. It's it's not like that when you call Amazon, right? If you have a chat with them they're like okay yeah that's our fault or whatever we'll take care of it it'll be done you know that that's it and that that's done in five minutes or something where you're stuck on the phone with at and I, I don't want to badmouth just AT&T but there's so no, many companies no, no. Uh, that are like that we're just like the customer experience is just so terrible over I mean, time tot- you're saying I that, totally no.
0: agree with you on that I totally agree with that but what But I have, and I'm afraid I have to disagree with you because I'm worried that people (laughs) listening will lose faith. I I actually think that Amazon, if you you say that there's a large number of people that realize, I think if they're really realized, they would be learning from Amazon because it's so easy to learn from the greatest. Uh But I just think there's a lot of it. I wonder whether bed manufacturers realize that they're now in competition with Amazon. Or I wonder whether um, a TV manufacturer realized it's now in competition with AliExpress. Or, um, that's uh-huh. that's what I'm wondering. Because if it was, I think that replicating great mm-hmm. customer experience is possible. It's not something – I would say it's easier the smaller you are as well. Like the fact that, that Amazon have done it should – Provide sucker to people that are thinking about what does transformation look like, because you can be as good as Amazon, you can be better than Amazon without the sheer nightmare of doing that in such a, a, a vast organization. That's almost what's more impressive about them. but I still think, well I, th- I think it could be more personalized. Like I 'm personalized as in it tells me what it thinks I want, but I don't feel that I have a relationship with Amazon. Like it's a, it's almost that is a true. Com, mm-hmm. It's almost like a commodity. It's, a it brand, it's not yeah. a brand relationship. It's a service relationship. That is For true. For me, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. it's the service that they provide is so good. But I reckon you can yes. beat their experience.
1: Yeah, you know, I, it's an interesting thing to me. I feel like, or maybe maybe it was just my perspective on it. I feel like everyone realizes that Amazon, you know, does really well with their service, but maybe they don't. Have a way to do it, or maybe they're scared. I, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe they don't um, value that
0: customer centricity yet.
1: That that could also be true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad, but <laughs> that, that uh, a possibility. Um, I, I think Last that- year, it
0: was last year. It would have been a bit sad, and it was sad for me because it was tough to find people that wanted to embrace the experience economy maybe i was just marketing in the wrong way but still the imperative the imperative for transformation was not here in new zealand maybe a year ago or two years ago whereas this year people are realizing oh crap we have to change we have to do the things that we were thinking of doing our digital um, strategy that we were thinking of putting into place, that we were thinking of looking at maybe at the next strategy event. We have to do that now. How do we mm. keep our company? How do we change our company yeah. right now to deal with 2020? And that's been mm-hmm. a big difference.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think um, I, I'm looking at an article I just sent it to you. It's the Forbes article, 100, uh, 100 of the most customer-centric companies. That was published in June 2019. So that That's was a year, right? So that was a year and what's almost a year and a half ago, let's just say, right? So it's almost like we're we're at a space where COVID uh, 2020 is pushing that customer centric idea really, really fast for a lot of companies. Where this idea has been kind of in progress for some time, as <clears throat> as you've been working with companies, obviously for the last three years, you know, you've been helping companies become more customer centric. So this has been something of an ongoing. Thing, but I think to get to the scale that Amazon does it is is in my in my um, a little brain. I feel like it's hard to do it so quickly and. Oh, it is. Uh, it's well, not easy. <laughs>
0: it's not. Hey, no one said it's easy. We don't, no, we don't <laughs> go to the moon because it's easy. <laughs> yep, that's true. Um, Very true. I would love. I would. I would love to know how these 100 companies are doing in comparison to their industry cohorts.
1: That is interesting, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know exactly, but I noticed that uh, there were a couple of companies I'll just call out from there. Uh, tr- uh, Trader Joe's, uh, you probably, I'm not sure if that's international, but Trader Joe's is a... I know
0: of them, but I've never just, okay. experienced them.
1: Right, so Trader Joe's is a <clears throat> company that is a grocery uh, store, essentially. So you can go there, you can buy your uh, you know, produce and a bunch of you know, cereal, milk, and some wine, right? Let's say, say that's what you're interested in. Their experience when I go there is really nice. Like, it's, I go in there, the, the store is clean, and the, there aren't any um, uh, problem in terms of finding things. If I do have, uh, if I'm not sure where things are, someone will be around to fi- help me find it right away. You uh, know, these kinds of things are. So nice for me as a shopper that it it makes my experience of shopping at Trader Joe's really nice. And yeah, there's yeah. little little things that they think of that just blows my mind every time. So they um, they <clears throat> have paper bags that you can use to take home your groceries versus all the the plastic bags that we use to or some some of us still do, uh, unfortunately. So so. That, that's something that they did, for example, to change. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole recycling
0: conversation. No, no, that's, but... <laughs> that's another. That's a whole other podcast. But, um, I, I, but I do think it, that is going to become even more important quicker yeah, for companies. Yeah. It's the sustainability but, uh, nature of it. But that is another podcast. Exactly. But anyway, I yeah. didn't mean
1: to interrupt. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, the The other thing that blew my mind was about two, two three months ago, I think, I went to Trader Joe's and... Um, I don't know how you guys do it in New Zealand, but basically you can get a plastic bag uh, to put your groceries in. So let's just say your onions or potatoes, whatever, you can put it in a bag. You can put a little tag on it so you can take it to the, the cashier and they'll check you out. So they, actually Trader Joe's, made their those plastic bags all compostable. Or I guess they bought it. I, I don't know what the deal is there. But basically now, if you go shopping there, the stuff that you use aren't going to harm the environment as much, right? So that compostable bag, you can say, oh, well, I'm done with this. I'm going to put it in the trash. Eventually it'll compost versus that plastic bag that could have been sitting in uh, a <clears throat> landfill for, you know, 10 years. I, I don't even know how long that takes to probably forever uh, to <laughs> yeah, degrade. Probably. But but um, that's another thing where I really appreciate that as a, as a client, as a customer and you know, a human of the world saying that, okay, well, you're thinking of the, the planet that we live in and you're doing something to, to help uh, what we do on a regular basis. So, yes, I, I support you as a company, right? That is an example of, I think, what customer-centric companies can do really well and listening to customers and do improving these little things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I want to do this project. I've got to find a way to do this project. I've got to see how those hundred companies are tracking. You're on your yeah, way. let me know. <laughs> I will. I will. I'm um, putting a call out there to any listener who would like to help me with this research project. Um, so yeah, we will, we'll we'll report back on a on a future podcast, and I'll, I'll let you know how how that goes. Because I bet that this year has proven that they are more um, resilient. Um, they are more open to change they know where change makes m- most sense so when they're you know that word of the year which is horrible pivoting um, has uh, has been they've known where to pivot instead of s- spending time trying to work it out trying to guess so uh, yeah um, oh we've we've've I've just been given a contributor so yeah we will uh, we will definitely follow that up hey uh, mo before we go um, we talk about the the quant qual. Have you got some examples of when you've in your in your career some some you know the the value of qual to the? I think a, a, let me go back a step. I think there's a lot of customer insight professions out there who, unfortunately, because of the tools that they have at their disposal, um, and because of potentially the structure of the company, uh, maybe they're siloed away, but they have no other idea about their customer other than the numbers. Um, just a tiny insight into those numbers all of a sudden gives the context that's required for understanding and for next steps to be taken. So can you think of an example where you know the, the value of Qual combined with Quant has proven to be so successful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I was when I was working with New Relic, a lot of companies that I was working with, as I was saying, is Was massive, so you know they had so many different metrics and so many different ways of kind of looking at the the data, you know, so to say. So um, NPS score is obviously one of the the ways to do it, and uh, there were also a lot of surveys that these companies were doing, and then trying to associate that with the. With the quantitative aspect, so basically, if you're seeing a lot of this one thing, how does that relate to that qualitative nature, and does it actually make sense? Is it, you know, does it check out? Because a lot of times it may not. So, um, so I think that that aspect is uh, is an important one. I don't have a lot of personal experience with a lot of the, uh, those companies doing that because I was mostly on the quantitative side. But I know that a lot of companies uh, have been doing that. Uh, kind of using that that qualitative uh, information with the quantitative information that I was um, providing to them.
0: Mm. It, it's surprisingly how how what a small percentage it is actually, according to uh, a, a recent Adobe study. their yeah. their study is out of the the entire voice of customer community, and obviously they've only maybe they've done a few hundred companies or a thousand companies, mm-hmm. but only eleven percent of companies that were spending money on. A voice of customer platform were actually getting insights that were being spread throughout the company. Uh Those and those, but the really cool thing is, get this: the eleven percent that did grow ten percent, sorry, ten times faster, so a thousand percent faster than those companies that ignore the the richness that the qual can bring to the quant. Isn't that interesting? Uh
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I believe that if you can understand the qualitative aspect with the quantitative aspect, why not? Right? That that helps you kind of put the two pieces together and you know do much more improvement in terms of the customer
0: experience. Brilliant. For those that want to get in contact with you and to explore data up, how, how should they um, how should they reach out to you? And who do you want to hear from? You know, what what, what sort of conversations are you looking to have moving forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So at DataUp, I focus on three different things. The first one being data analysis with with Google Analytics or similar real user monitoring kind of products. So New Relic is one of them, obviously. So if you are interested in figuring out more around how your users are using your website and how to improve that whole experience, I can uh, help to, uh, help you do that through DataUp. That's the, the data analysis piece. I also do, for select companies, I'll do technology strategy. So whether it's a startup or a company that's been in existence for a while and they need help with improving their technology stack, I help there as a fractional chief, chief technology officer. And then if anyone listening needs help with New Relic Consulting, I do that as well. So those are the three things that I do at DataUp, and if you're interested in getting in touch with me, that's on my website, that's uh, dataup.tech, so that's D-A-T-A-U-P dot dataup.tech, data and I'm also on LinkedIn under
0: Mo Hossein DataUp. Thanks so much, Mo. Um, we will put all of the details and any details that you'd like us to share with the audience in the show notes um so so once again oh, by the way i cannot wait to talk to you next year and find out how data up are going i mean we are all progressing at such a rate of knots at the moment i'm not talking to anybody that had the same business 12 months ago um oh goodness, so yeah. Uh, so yeah everything's changed so i can't wait to see what changes are on the horizon for you and how and the success that data up and no doubt have ahead of them so thanks again
1: Thank you. I I appreciate uh, you talking to me today, Brenton. And hopefully maybe we can meet each other at some point in the next uh, Wouldn't that be year great? <laughs> okay, hey,
0: promise. I'm I live on air. Pr- promise. Yes. That that, well, cool. live on recorded air. That you, you we will we will catch up if you come to New Zealand for sure. I will of make course. the same I'll make the same promise if I'm in your world as well. Yes, cool. of course, please. No worries. Thanks again. Thank you for your insight and the value that you brought to the audience today. Yes, thank you, Brandon. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for listening today. I hope you got some really solid value out of the conversation. If you did get some value, please consider subscribing using any of the links below. We are on all major podcast platforms. And feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or via our website, www.halftimeorange.co.nz. Look forward to speaking with you next time.